Guys, pour one out for Jackson Brittany. They are no more. I'm sure my temple in Providence, Rhode Island is sitting Shiva as we speak, pouring out some beer cheese <laughs> somewhere in the synagogue. Um, but listen, before you listen to um, this week's all new Andy Scrolls, just a little note from your pal, Sarah G. We um, unfortunately encountered a number of um, technical difficulties that, you know, it usually happens every I don't know, 50 episodes or so. And tonight it's episode 188. So um, I appreciate your understanding about the audio for this week's conversation. Um, a really incredible deep dive with none other than Rafi D'Angelo. And also one additional note that the Potomac trailer for the forthcoming reunion came out during our reunion, during our reunion. Well, yeah, a reunion between me and um, what I thought was great tech. Um, uh, so the reunion trailer came out during our conversation and during our recording. So, um, look for a breakdown of the reunion trailer as well as all things Jackson, Brittany being fired from pump rules. Uh, yes, I did say fired as did variety. Um, and more on a special Patreon episode this weekend. Thank you guys again so much for your understanding. COVID, uh, technical difficulties make, my life so much extra fun all right guys hope you enjoy this week's andy scrolls i have zero capacity for anything other than zero fucks i love god but i would rather be watched in the spirit of money (laughs) (laughs) amen preach amen Amen. <laughs> I think that's like inscribed in a plaque um, below Mary's church, which is also known as like the Holy Spirit of Bank of America. Exactly. <laughs> exactly. Oh, my goodness. Miss Mary Cosby. Miss <laughs> Mary Cosby and Mr. Rafi D'Angelo. You guys, it's Andy's Girls episode 188. I, I am strongly I am very confident it's 188 this week. I'm usually off by an episode or four, but I am so excited for this week's talk because as I just said 30 seconds ago or three seconds ago or a minute ago or whatever, <laughs> time has slowed. Time has slowed to a crawl whenever I have this wonderful co-host on because he is such a joy. Writer Rafi D'Angelo, the brains, the beauty, the other word with a B behind so let's talk about.com. Rafi D'Angelo, how are you? Oh, you know, just chilling in bed talking about housewives, a normal day. <laughs> just a typical Friday morning. Typical Friday. Just ate oatmeal, drinking coffee, and zooming with a white lady on the Upper East Side. Oh, yeah. Oh, what? And I love when I talk to, like, relatives in Rhode Island or whomever, anybody that, like, isn't necessarily familiar with the real estate IRL of New York, and they say, where do you live? And I say the Upper East Side. And they're like, oh, wow. Like, she's doing really well. She's really fancy. And it's like, spoiler alert, I was priced out of a um, attic in Gowanus. Like, thank you. This is where... <laughs> the new generation of people without savings accounts live and i am so thrilled to be here where are you where are you where am uh, i i live in place? i live in west harlem um and i guess i've lived out here for like nine years or so so i have seen prices go up 
And now mm. I'm seeing prices plummet because of the pandemic. Like the apartments near us that look identical are a thousand dollars cheaper right now. So, yeah. No. And our landlord won't let us out of our lease. So we're just like, oh, this is so sad. We're wasting money. But <laughs> I have been in my apartment for 10 years. I asked, I'm I'm very friendly with the apartment broker because I've, you know, he's done my lease every year. And I was like, I called him up because I think it expired or whatever. It needed to be renewed in like August or September. And I called him up. I was like, listen, pandemic. Let's make a deal. And he said, not only is that not happening, but your oh. rent has gone up $25 a person, which is nothing. That's like literally nothing because we're in a rent controlled apartment. But I was like, I'm here. Street the word on the street is that people are getting deals. And he was like, bitch, not your street. Not Every you, street. right. Right. Not you. Not you. Not you. you. <laughs> I know people that are moving into like luxury spaces and I think that's great. Meanwhile, there's like a, a baby hole in my wall of my living room, which you've seen uh, like a little scuffle that yeah. I need to get repainted. And I think there's like a legal thing where like every five years or something, like you should get your apartment repainted by the really? whatever. I don't know. I keep asking my super who's the love of my life. Shout out to Fabio, also known as Fabian Fobbs. Um, I asked, I think, him, like, hey, can you repaint my apartment? He was like, yeah, maybe. And that was literally two and a half years ago. So I've never heard that before, but I am also not a white lady on the Upper East Side. So it (laughs) escaped my purview. (laughs) Sure, if you can get that painted for free, go for it. I feel like that's a thing. New York City AGs slide into my DMs (laughs) and let me know. Because I think that's a thing. Lord knows I could Google it in two seconds, but that feels like a lot of effort, okay, in a pandemic. Exactly. Let's just rely on what we think instead of really what we know. I feel like that's that's a journey for every Bravo celebrity. When you start to embrace that lifestyle, you're in for a multi-season arc. Well, it's so. very much just like an American trait. Let's go with what we think instead of what we know. <laughs> like, that's just America. I think <laughs> that feelings have power exactly weight it's better than a fact because I like it more and I think that that's just really the perspective we should all have but only about my opinions not about your opinions you got it about what I think and feel I think next president of the United States (laughs) oh my god can you imagine if I ran for anything I would be so bored day one I used to think like I'd be a great first lady. I actually think I would be a fucking terrible first lady. I don't, and I don't really want to be, I think maybe like a chief of staff because that's like the real president of the United States. Mm, The Olivia Pope. Oh, or the fixer. Right. I would love to be the um, Jodie Foster part in um, Inside Man is who I was destined to play. Where it's like, yeah, are you talking to like, you know, terrorist organizations to help them with their whole foods prime order 100 percent, i am and i am happy to do it and would you like oranges oh they only have apples i'm gonna bribe prime and make that fruit happen for you because i am that ex- that, that is kind a of extra. highly underrated movie more people should see it shout out to inside man and spike lee oh i think God. that is uh the spike lee movie that people forget is a spike lee movie so it, it really doesn't feel – I wonder if it's because it wasn't uh, written by him that it doesn't – when you're watching, you sort of forget 
or at least in my my experience watching it, I sort of forget. And it is so beautifully directed. He did such a fantastic job. Mm -hmm. And I have seen that movie at least 15 times. Oh, I I own it. it. I watch it like semi-regularly because I like the acting in it. Clive Owen is amazing. Denzel is amazing. Everybody's great in the movie. So shout out to Inside Man. Oh, Jodie Foster is amazing. Shout out to... Shout out to Inside Man, guys. If you're looking for something to watch, I think it's on Netflix now. It floats in between streaming um, platforms, I want to say, but I'm pretty sure it's on Netflix because I watched it fairly recently and I definitely didn't pay for it. Um, Have you watched anything? I mean, obviously, we'll talk about Bravo, you know, whenever. But have you watched? (laughs) What have you been watching on TV? TV is my love language. So I like to Um, I like to love with people by hearing what they're watching, what they're hating, what they're loving. My current obsession is not like a current show, but it is a. kids baking competition <laughs> kids, I, like like master chef junior or whatever the fuck kind of it's like um well you know i like uh, great british bake off and this season oh. was really kind of stressful <laughs> i heard that from people it wasn't, i haven't watched it well the the it's, i i mean i love the contestants you know i adore them they pick some great based on their personalities but I felt really bad for one of the women in the final. Um, she was just not up to the level of the other two people. But mm. in the semifinal, she outbaked the other person who was more technically proficient, who would have done better in the mm. final. It's like in the semifinal, the one that should have been in the final had her first bad day. And so she was, you know, eliminated mm-hmm. and it left a subpar competitor who was a lovely woman, but who cracked under pressure. And so they threw this lady who could not perform in that kind of high stress situation. They threw her into this, you know, place where she was bound to fail, which she did. And the internet is cruel. I watch Fake Off because it's so nice and everyone's so lovely. Yeah, they love each other. I know. But then on Twitter, you have all these people who are, you know, mm. rightfully pointing out she doesn't belong there and she's not up to the level. But that's really hurtful to her. And I think the producers should have, like, seen that that was coming. Like, they took one of the sweetest women who's been on the show and basically threw her to the internet wolves because she was going to fail in the final. And she got there above, you know, a baker who was great and who everybody was pulling for. So she had all this kind of negative energy thrown at her because of a situation that she didn't have any control over. It was like, okay, I didn't put myself in the final. The judges did this. Why are you yelling at me? And she cried on every episode. So I know she was probably sitting at home crying about all this hate she's getting on the internet. I'm like, the producers really screwed that up. Like they really should have looked at the whole competition and put in the other woman. So anyway, Bake Off is really stressful. And I was like, I still love baking shows and I want something really sweet. And I saw kids baking competition was doing like a marathon. I was like, okay, let me watch these kids real quick. Cutest thing ever. Um, <laughs> they are little kids, so. Are they good? Or is it like, oh, let's make them, an English no. muffin pizza? No, some of them are excellent. Like they do things that I've never heard of before. And they're all little rich kids because you can't make a kid into a great Sous-vide. baker without spending a lot of money. You got to waste a lot of yeah. ingredients. and you got. But they're all yeah. little rich kids, which is, you know, you get over that quickly because they don't all act like little brats. <laughs> Some of them mm-hmm. act like brats. I was like, oh, you're awful. But they're fun to watch, though. It's like, oh, you're going to be like a terrible person when you grow up. But I can see where it's starting. Right now. Right, right. <laughs> and they're so cute. And when they mess up, they cry. And it's mm-hmm. because they're kids. 
but then the judges comfort them and the other kids comfort them and they try to like help them like oh what do you need don't cry i'm finished with mine how can i help you and like they help each other and it's so cute <laughs> what channel is that on because i feel like isn't there a fox something i've never seen no, the kids it's, um, stuff i think it's on the cooking channel and like rerun oh, okay. network maybe so i've been watching a lot of that and then a lot of um, a lot of Christmas shows, Christmas movies. Well, Mar- oh, and P.S. Guys, I want to get your thoughts on Christmas movies. Just to say, um, so I was listening to. Do you ever listen to Las Culturistas? It's one of my absolute favorite podcasts. No, I have. I've had Matt Rogers on a couple times. It's Matt Rogers and Bo and Yang, and they talk about um, culture and formative okay. moments in culture, and it's very, very funny. I highly recommend it, and I've loved having Matt on AG. And Matt went on a little, um, had a little moment on the most recent episode where. I guess he'd gotten a lot of feedback about people saying, listen, don't talk about the undoing because we haven't watched it yet. And his response was, we are a show talking about culture. If this episode goes up a single day after the the show that you're that you want to watch but haven't seen yet, assume that it's going to be spoiled. Exactly. Like once we start talking about the undoing, we're going to talk about the plot as it happens. We can't not talk about it because you haven't caught up. And, you know, it's like a TV culture podcast, which I know how people are. I mean, I myself, they were talking during a previous episode. They started talking about like who they were hypothesizing could be, you know, the the murder at the end. And I just like fast forwarded through it because I am so neurotic that I don't want to hear someone else's ideas because then I'll be thinking about that the whole time. And like, oh, my God, are they right? And then I might not necessarily be surprised. But I do think just as a fair warning that Andy's Girls is like a psychological breakdown and everything else. But it is also talking about, you know, TV is my love language. So if there's a show that's happening, we may talk about it. And that's just kind of how it is that if you don't, if there's a show that you know, if I start talking about it and you haven't seen it, maybe just put AG on the back burner and watch the show and, and hop back. You know, it's, exactly. it's, it is, there is that like little warning label. So, um, when you hear your, like, your you would a choice, <laughs> just take a little sec, but wait, so what's the, what's the Christmas? So have you seen the holiday season? What is no, it called? The happiest, the holiday? Season. Is that happiest, happiest season. season. Yes. I have watched it twice now because oh. the first time I watched it, I watched, it with uh, my roommate who is my gay best friend and we watched it because of Dan Levy because we were obsessed with Shit oh Creek nice. and we just want to see him in more stuff yes. and we loved it it quickly became our favorite Christmas movie favorite rom-com favorite gay themed movie but then I was talking to a guy that I was sort of like we have been DMing each other on Instagram about like maybe going on a date or something like that and he posted a meme about the happiest season that was from someone's Twitter. It was like happiest season is a horror movie. And I was like, huh. So I responded to it and I was like, oh, I just watched that a couple of days ago. And he was like, trash, throw it away. And I was like, you didn't like it? And he was like, no, I hated it. Um, and I was trying to like get his thoughts on it. And he said it was like the most toxic, abusive bullshit he'd ever been force fed and that he was going to save his spot for a New Yorker article. And I was like, oh, wow, he has a lot of feelings about this. Okay. So then another gay friend came over for dinner, and I was like, let's watch this movie. And I didn't tell him I would seen it because I just wanted to get another person's gut reaction. He watched it and loved it, too. So I feel confident in saying that it's great. 
<laughs> I mean, delightful. I think if you loved it, you should love it. You should own the fact that you love it and be happy with it. I did see some stuff on social. I'm not a member of the LGBTQ community. I've heard some critiques from people who are who are saying we are sort of and again, spoiler alert. Spoiler, spoiler about the happiest season, glorious season, season present stuff on Hulu Plus, happiest season, that it feels like it's, and again, this is probably about a minute long, it feels like it's, um, uh, it's a story about someone sort of being traumatized about their, their coming out being sort of taken away from them. So I saw that and I was like, oh, that's a really interesting perspective. Like I that that made sense to me that people would be potentially upset or 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 frustrated at that happening as a part of the plot. But also, you know, that happens. If though. You like, loved it, it felt you loved like it. a real right. movie, like a lesbian wrote it from her perspective and like mm-hmm. a lesbian gets out. It. I was out. It. I never got the opportunity to come out. I got outed um, at school mm-hmm. and then the teachers found out and an English teacher told my mother. And then the whole thing about it and someone at work told my dad, like, I've never actually come out to anyone in my entire life because it was done so early. Like, I got caught with a boy. And the and how old were you when this happened? I was 12. And I got oh caught God. with a boy. And then the rest of the school quickly found out. And then the teachers obviously knew about it. And then at, like, a open house, um, my English teacher told my mom, you know, what she had heard. I was like, oh, I'm letting you know this because she's so young that maybe you can do something about it. Maybe you can speak to your pastor. Or <gasps> What the fuck? It. Was this a public high school or private? No, it was public. Public middle school. And then I was like, if this is a parochial school, no, regardless, just, I would say this is unacceptable. But like if your reverend is also your principal or whatever. No, oh, my was, God. It was a public, uh, public middle school. And then my um, my mom did tell the church, and then the church tried to fix it, and I went into, like, you know, some conversion therapy and laying hands and, you know, the right. prayer circles and all of that. So I know what it's like to be traumatized by not being in control of your coming out narrative, but it was authentic. It was, this is a thing that does happen, and I thought the way they did it was great, and you got to see two different kinds of... Um, like out people you got to see one Mm -hmm. where she didn't get to control her narrative and where she was definitely trying to stay in the closet because she was afraid of what her family would think and that is how I grew up like I was terrified um that my parents would like disown me if I you know came out so I hit it and then you have another person who you know she had a great coming out and she was very open and she was confident and she felt like everybody should be that way and everybody should be bold enough to come out and it's like, well, a lot of people aren't. <laughs> like, everybody is different. And people have to do it on their own time. So I could relate to both of them. Because since I have been out for so long, I do feel like a very confident out person. Because, you know, I've been out for, you know, more than half my life at this point. But I also remember being desperately afraid to come out and being outed and being, like, traumatized by it. So I thought they were both very well-written characters. Um, they both had their good points and bad points. The positive one was definitely more toxic, but so was her family. Mm. Her entire family mm-hmm. was toxic. All of so those toxic. kids suffered under the parents. So mm-hmm. I thought it was great. I thought it was a nice balance and showed a bunch of sides of people because 
people aren't good or bad and they aren't villains or heroes. And sometimes decent people do really bad things for reasons that they've made up in their own head. So. If that doesn't encapsulate just our lives journeys of people are never the second that you start to villainize someone they're never as good typically right. i mean there are some exceptions to every role villainize but, or lionize as soon as you like uh, yeah. put someone on a pedestal like then they have mm-hmm. to live up to this image that you've created of them that they have not like subscribed to it's like well you put that on me not myself. so yeah. Right. So at the end of the day, like who needs to really bear the brunt of that? It's not the person who wasn't even in charge of how you viewed them, regardless right. of whether or not it was positive or negative. I have a question for you. So first off, thank you for sharing. My uh, God. And I'm welcome. And I and I just have to say, I'm so sorry that that happened to you because I can't I have there's no comparison in my life to what that was. And I think people who. Um, are not members of the LGBTQ community just need to like take a moment and really understand that especially when it comes to your experience there is literally no comparison mm-hmm. and um, and that's something to really you know for folks to keep in mind um, you know there was a coming out this week on Housewives Bronwyn announced in a video released by Glad as we're applauding, I'm applauding as I hold my microphone. Um, hashtag new audio. Um, that she is a lesbian, and she did it in an 18 minute video that was distributed on social media, and every single Bravo fan, no, everyone just openly embraced her and had no critique or anything to say based on their own feelings about how they feel as a non-member of the gay community that someone should come out. The timing of that, nobody had a thought because everybody, everybody understood that your opinion doesn't matter. <laughs> Exactly. <laughs> we are so elevated, man. <laughs> we are so elevated. We are so, uh, so, so, so elevated. Yeah, she's um, really trying your... to, like, make me watch that show because she is know, an man. alcoholic lesbian with 37 kids, one of whom is, like, a budding drag queen, and she oh, is messy love. and fabulous and has abs at 40. So <laughs> that is all the ingredients I need to watch the show. But um, first off, 40 is the new 12. Number one, 40 is a new beginning. Not even you're still in your for I think age is nothing but a number. And I say this as someone who as a joke, put my face on an email that the guest guest of the guest sent out where like the the 30 under 30, like the most Mm -hmm. philanthropic, like sassiest, best people. So I superimposed my face on it and put it on Instagram stories because I thought it was really funny, even though I 100% for the rest of my life will be spiritually under 30, just we're all on the same page. But I was shook by the number of people who dm me being like oh my god congratulations like, that's so amazing i'm like first off guys you know my photo skills are <laughs> number two thank you so much it was an honor i am absolutely under 30 mm-hmm. and i just want you guys to know that and treasure that and that's like one of the greatest things about my personality is exactly. an age that i have no control over um but anyway uh back to bronwyn so what did you think about the so yeah she's doing everything amazing and she's being so vulnerable so open and i can't watch her story because the franchise as a whole makes me uh, exactly. i think they, right i now. think she and sean should just move back to miami and they can reboot miami center around bronwyn and that would be great for me wait hold on there I is mean, a fire truck in the background and i don't want to mess this audio can you edit it out 
Um, yeah, I'm 100% going to do that. I, okay, as so all let's the start, listeners let's, know, let's start no, I'm over. not going to do that. They're going to enjoy the siren. <laughs> it was the siren of Real Housewives of Miami saying, emergency, we've been talking about bringing this franchise back and we're finally ready. Right. Bronwyn um, would be the great, like, that would be great for her to, because why are they in the OC? Do we know where she and Sean are in the OC? What is his job? What does he do? He, I want to say he, like, does something with stuff. Where it's like, I'd say that's all jobs, really. Right? <laughs> like he does something with um, stuff. Like a business finance thing or like he some sort of businessman and he had a company and he sold it or something or 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 maybe finance because he had a hedge fund or something and he did it for many many years and wasn't home and then he sold it so that he could be at home and be you know more of a supportive partner or something. So he doesn't but do anything. I, I think he does something. I don't know what. And I have to say that in the video, I watched like the full video with mm -hmm. Vlad, which was like 18 minutes or 20 minutes or whatever. And she mentioned in that video that he got a job offer in New York. And so they're trying to decide. And that might be something that they decide to do where he moves to New York for work. Oh. And she stays, I think, in Orange County. I think they're trying to figure it out. And this is like a new, this is the new whole territory thing with having a new normal. Right. They're they're experiencing a lot of new normals for their family they're trying to navigate it the best way they can i'm sure their first priority is trying to figure out the kids mm -hmm. and what is it like um happy wife happy life like at the end of the day like your own happiness as a core person and the happiness and health of your spouse is directly related to um your child's development right. you know and the kind of support and the way that a child can look at their parent and say like if you are being your honest and real self and you are uh you know able to live a life that feels um truthful and honest to yourself I can do the same for me you know like it's I think it's unbelievably um uh fantastic and probably incredibly you know, scary and complicated. Well, I did see a clip from someone sent me a clip from one of the episodes because everybody knows I'm not watching it, but they were like, Hey, you have to see this kid on Housewives. And I don't remember his name. It's one of Jacob. One... Oh, is that his name? Yeah. And so they um, showed me the, the dressing up and the drag and all of that. And then Bronwyn saying that Jacob inspires her to live authentically. Oh, see, I love this. And I was like, her kids feel like they can be open because their parents are so open. And then in turn, it has, you know, come full circle to where Bronwyn can feel so open too. Because they, you know, you can say whatever you want about them, but they must be great parents because their kids are so happy and so open about talking to them about anything. And then that also leaves space for the parents to talk to them about what's going on in their lives because you know, the kids have met Bronwyn's girlfriend and they know what's going on. And Bronwyn says that it's working. And I think it works because they are so loving and communicative with their children. So I think that their family will be just fine. And that, you know, a lot of kids, especially if their parents get divorced or the family changes or dad moves out or something changes, like the kids are traumatized. I don't think these kids will be traumatized at all. It's just kind of like, oh, our parents are moving into a different phase of their life. Well, they'll be even happier, you know? Like, I I feel that she's doing everything the right way, and I'm proud of her. And also, and I think that's amazing, and I 
completely agree. And I also have to say, like, there is obviously we all know this. There is no normal. There is no right answer. But if a parent is trying to do I say this without I have a fish son who I had a tagline that I realized after sexualized him, which maybe we'll get to when we talk about Salt Lake City. But I realized that in fact, I was like, I literally said I was trying to figure out a tagline. And the tagline that I thought of was like in reference to Mary's lunch. It was like, what was it? It was like. My um, beta fish isn't lunch, but he looks like a snack. And I was like, what are you, Sarah? (laughs) No, Archie Bador deserves more than this. Like, what are you even, (laughs) what's happening? It's like the 2020 lives in my taglines in my head. Um, But I don't even remember what I was saying because now I'm staring at Archie Bador and I'm apologizing. I'm looking at him with fear and being like, Archie Bador, I'm so sorry. I made him, mommy, mommy fucked up. Um, But um, yeah, back to Bronwyn, I mean- you know, listen, there, she's going through a lot. And mm-hmm. as she herself said in that interview, um, which I'll actually include a link to in the show notes, the full um, video, because I think I know a lot of us watched a two minute clip, but the full length, I think, is is definitely worth your time, guys. If, if you have the time um, while staying at home, not doing anything because we're in the middle of a global pandemic. Um, there is a moment where she said that was it in the video? Yeah. Or in an interview after I think it was in the video where she said that becoming sober allowed her to really reanalyze her life because she felt like she was trying to hide from her truth and bury her truth Mm -hmm. through alcohol. And when that was removed as a boundary or removed as something that she could use or that she felt like she needed to use in order to push down her feelings. When that was removed from her life, she was able to really take a literal and figurative sober look at her life and how she lived her life and how she wanted to live her life. And seeing the two go hand in hand to me as someone who, um, uh, understands addiction, albeit not drug and alcohol addiction, and um, is not a member of the LGBTQ community, that to me made a lot of sense. Mm-hmm. Because shame at the end of the day is the connecting thread of all of us. And we have different ways of handling it and dealing with it. And for many of us, myself included, I have unhealthy <laughs> lifestyles attached to that with like disordered eating, which mm-hmm. I've talked about before. Um, which is directly related to like how I deal with trauma that I've experienced in my life and how that has wrapped itself in a beautiful Christmas bow of shame. And for Bronwyn, understanding that once she was able to be honest with herself and say, listen, I have a problem. I am um, uh, seeking treatment. I think she is going to, I think she said she's going to like a community, a weekly, Mm -hmm. she's in some, a weekly program in Orange County, which is amazing. Um, do whatever works for you. And that really enabled her to like reevaluate and say, okay, the alcoholism exists. It's real, but it's also a symptom of something else. I am using it to block out something else. And now that I have removed that tool, I am going to take the time to really figure out what that is, you know, and that takes unbelievable chutzpah there's probably like even another layer even below that because like Mm -hmm. you've Mm -hmm. seen her interact with her mom and talk about how Mm -hmm. dysfunctional her Mm -hmm. upbringing was so Mm -hmm. then it's like okay 
she was like maybe 20, 21. She's with this man and she can build that family that she never had. So like being that young and maybe not even fully understanding yourself, like she probably jumped head first into, I'm going to build this family unit that I never had before at the expense of, you know, her actual attractions to people. So it's like, here's the best option for me to build this family, even though I'm not like attracted to him, but the family is more important than, you know, like my personal fulfillment, finding someone. And then she got stuck in it. It was like, all right, now I've got this husband and I've got kids and now I've like put, I boxed myself in and how do I escape it? And you drink a little bit and you drink a little bit more and then you have another baby and then you drink and then you drink some more, then you have another baby. You know, it's like, it was a very long cycle of, you know, going back and forth. So I think maybe it even goes back that far. But props to her. She's only like 40-something. She can start all over. Oh, my God. She 100% at any... I mean, like, I just think, like, once you've let your soul free, that is a new beginning to live a, a better more substantial life just in the sense of like who you are at the end of the day when nobody else is in the room when Mm -hmm. all the doors are closed when it's just you with yourself the ability to be comfortable in your own skin which I think many people struggle with regardless of um, sexuality the fact that she is getting into a place where she's coming into her own is uh, just amazing and I think it's an opportunity for people to really watch her go through this, noting that for many of us, we want to support her, mm-hmm. but there's a little boundary there, which is that for many of us, myself, I'll speak for myself, like my anxiety levels are hugely increased when I think about Kelly, which is why right. I didn't watch the Watch What Happens Live, though I heard about it. Um, yeah, I won't be watching. Like I <laughs> tweeted at Braun when one day I was like, hey, love you. Wish you were on another show. I will not be watching it. Hopefully you'll show up with your million kids on another platform because I'm not putting up with the rest of the OC. And hopefully Andy has seen that. It was like, if you shift away from the toxic elements of that show and focus on a little more on Bronwyn, let her bring some friends on, then I would probably go back and watch it. But I'm not watching it with Kelly on there. I don't care what Bronwyn does. Like, Bronwyn could be the Pope, and I'm still not going to watch it because Kelly's here. Yeah, and I would love to support Bronwyn PS IRL in real time. Um, Bronwyn and friends of Bronwyn, if you're listening, because I've talked to some of you before, I am hashtag blocked by Bronwyn. (gasps) I have no choice but to stand for Bronwyn in some areas. There are other areas where I'm like, Bronwyn, I want to talk about the fact that you think it's laughable to drink um, Perrier without a glass. I, like, want to have these moments, Bronwyn, where, like, (laughs) you know, we there are other conversations for us to have about you, like, traveling a lot during a pandemic and during other things that I find fascinating would love to unpack but also overall you know no choice but to stand but I had a little interaction with Dr. Deb in um, Mexico and unfortunately didn't go great and Bronwyn said um mm -mm, blocking blocking this girl from this podcast from this stuff and I was Bronwyn no come back to me Bronwyn Bronwyn come back oh no if if I could this episode which i should probably start doing 188 episodes in the title of the episode would be like Bronwyn, Bronwyn, come back. i've never been blocked by a housewife before i'm blocked by rupaul but i've never been blocked by a housewife <laughs> well, 
<laughs> um, I am blocked by Emily as of recently, Bronwyn, and then I blocked Candace and Kelly. I think that's it. I think that's it. There you might be somebody Candy that I forget. Yeah, Candace. Can you believe it? Wasn't being great on social. Talk about if there is one lesson. I don't even want to get into this, but I will just for a second. If there is one lesson for us as as people, and it's so stupid for me to even say this to AGs because I genuinely, genuinely, no joke, I'm not fucking with you. I think the Andy's Girls community is like the most empathetic and emotionally intelligent that exists in Bravo and beyond. Like the nuance that I hear from people the um, ability for them to like hang in this like little joy ride where we, you know, um, zig and zag throughout all things housewives and ourselves is like standalone. It doesn't exist anywhere else. So when we're talking about like the critique that we've seen other people do online, I am a thousand percent certain that those people are not members of the AG community because this is all about a safe space, guys. This is all about a safe space. <laughs> but for me, you know, I hear about I, I didn't see Bronwyn's actual post, although people sent me screenshots about it because hashtag blocked by Bronwyn. But of, there were many people who were critiquing her. And, mm -hmm. uh, you know, I my guess is a lot of those people, perhaps the majority of them are not members of the LGBTQ community, but were critiquing the ways in which she came out and said that there was a a. a a strategic meaning behind it professionally whatever else and that ties into the Candace stuff in the sense that I wish that sometimes when people would comment and post they would remove themselves from the equation of saying these harmful things to and about housewives and take a moment to think about who's actually reading the comments and the posts because my guess is it's probably not the housewives themselves, although in some cases it is. Mm -hmm. It's really members of the Bravo community. So when you are posting a critique that could be seen as harmful to um, Bronwyn or, or her kids who could be reading this stuff too, which you should be thinking about as a Bravo commenter on social, whatever else, absolutely you should keep that in mind. Like these are sure these are quote-unquote real people but there are also people reading the comments mm -hmm. who you are more likely to engage with who are watching you repeat dangerous rhetoric that is directly harmful to them in their lives so like if you have a critique of something or an idea of something that reinforces dangerous inaccurate thinking I wish for a second people thought to themselves, if someone is telling you that that is harmful, that should be enough. Mm. You know, like we are at the end of the day, the foundation of Bravo is the Bravo community. If a member of that community is saying what you are saying is triggering or harmful to me, I feel like that should be enough. And I I think that that absolutely exists 100% in the AG community. I don't know if it I know it doesn't in other areas of it. And I think that's just like reality at the end of the day that unfortunately this exists, but it's, it's difficult. I've experienced it myself, which I was open about on social this week that I've, I'm pretty open without giving any details, to be honest, about struggling with like anxiety mm -hmm. and, and disordered eating. And if I see a post that is 
triggering or reinforcing um, something that to me is harmful, directly harmful, it, 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 it's directly harmful or triggering, you know? And if someone who's a member of the LGBTQ community is saying the narrative of saying she's only doing this for um, strategic reasons is harmful, you should listen to that, you know? Right. Well, I think that um, your idea of a Bravo community is a little more concrete than mine, because it's not like a community to me. It's just like people who watch TV and like, it's just like, you know, and people say things on the internet, they say bad things. So it's not like, oh, you should be nicer because other people in this community might be bothered. Like that doesn't mean anything to most people. <laughs> it's just kind of like, you should be Once nicer again, just because you should be nicer. me in the face. <laughs> <laughs> it's like, like you should be true. nicer in general just because you don't know who's reading it on the internet you know like it's it's just were you not there the day that we all filled out that friendship contract uh i burnt mine there? i burnt mine oh okay great <laughs> awesome because i built my own little chateau charade <laughs> on friendship lane here in bravo world i mean i went to you know, the property and it was just a hole in the ground Wow. Okay, great. Like the hole in our friendship that started with the hole in my heart that you just created. I just sat there with my hands on my hips and said, Fatal mistake. Fatal mistake. I'm collecting our dues. I'm sliding into your Venmo after this and the emoji is going to be a little TV thing and the um, emoji face with the tongue hanging out with cash. No, I think that's a great point too. There, People are also trash and it's Yeah, people are just trash. I've been on the internet for a long time. What do you expect from Alta Vista? I've been on the internet for a very long time. People are just trash. (laughs) <laughs> well, let me ask Jeeves about that, okay? I think he's going to be the person that really ends this. Uh, he's going to be the deciding. Do you remember Ask Jeeves? I remember Ask Jeeves. Yes, yes. I okay. remember Ask Jeeves. Okay. And... We're both in our mid-20s. Yeah. Mm-hmm. That's it. No, I'm 19. So, thank you. Oh, okay. Well, I'm 17 and three quarters. Thank oh, so you so you, much. I, I, I am 16, and I was asking Jeeves in the womb. So, yes. Um, I am 12, and Lisa from Salt Lake City is right now planning my bat mitzvah, and we're all very excited about it. Oh, she's going to serve her tequila. Lisa and I'm Barlow talks like she's chewing <laughs> her face. Barlow. Every time I see her, I think of, um, God, what's her name? Carolyn from Don't Tell Mom the Babysitter's Dead, like the evil secretary. And Christina Applegate, Sue Ellen, uh, describes her and says she talks like he's, she's chewing her face. And that is how I wish the viewers could see me doing it because it's like she talks like this with her mouth very tall on all her vowels. Like she is trying to chew her face off. I can't stand it. I cannot. Oh my God, I can't stand her. <laughs> we need to talk about Salt Lake City. Um, best show on Bravo or best show of all time? Well, Married to Medicine is still my best show on Bravo, but. <laughs> Spoiler alert, guys, once again, for anybody. Spoiler alert, Married to Medicine OG, of which we need to make clear OG. Best show on yes. Bravo. Best yes. show. Best show Dr. ever Heavenly on Bravo. for life. It is my number I mean, actually, one. I don't need, I can't even. Yeah. It's my Maybe. number one reality TV show of all time. I'm obsessed with it. But Salt Lake City has come in and made some points. You know what's really smart, I think, that Salt Lake, that they did with Salt Lake City is that to the best of my knowledge, this is the first time that they filmed for so long before a first season. So, like, you get flashbacks from, like, two, three, six months ago because they filmed them for so long and got them kind of comfortable being in front of the camera. So you don't really have any... There's no awkward beginning. Like, they just right. jumped in and, and it's like this. it's a well-oiled machine because they filmed for so long. Like, you look now and it's like... um 
like Christmas decorations and stuff like that. I was like, this is over a year ago that they filmed something from this stuff. And I was like, that was smart of them to do. And then I think, um, uh, well, not even Christmas decorations, but like September from last year, like you see um, Jen going to her dad's gravesite. And I looked on the headstone and I think it said September it was that he died. And she was there on the anniversary. I was like, okay, so they've been filming for a very long time. They wanted to have a lot of footage and a lot of story that they could pull from so that the season moves faster. And it does move fast. I think the central conflict is stupid. <laughs> the hospital smell, it's, it's a dumb central conflict. But it's good. It's so, like, off the wall. Like, are we really we're, we're building a whole season about hospital smell? Because when they built a whole season about a dog on Beverly Hills, I hated it. But you want to build a whole season about hospital smell? Yeah, I'm here for it. <laughs> I mean, I think that the hospital smell is the kickoff for it, but it's obviously showing that Mary and Jen cannot be in the same room with each other. And by that, I mean, Jen is refusing to be in the same room with Mary whilst also burning as many bridges as she possibly can yes. whenever she feels moderately disgruntled. Torch them all. Jen is the kind Yeah. <laughs> Jen is the kind of person who like if she is bothered by something you've done, she's going to light you on fire. Yeah. And if you do not agree with her, if you, God forbid, have your own perspective or decide that as a human person who gets the right to decide who you want to have in your friendship circle while you're filming a reality show with these people and absolutely probably in the back of your head of a vested interest in like making sure that these other people who could be talking shit about you and confessionals and plotting against you are kind of on your good side, that that is not completely out of the norm. And Jen's version of friendship is saying, if I am telling you this person is dead to us, all you should be saying is rest in peace. Yes, exactly. I mean, I don't agree with her, but I totally get it. I've known people like this. I, mm -hmm. when she gave her explanation at the dinner, at the <laughs> Met Gala cocktail luncheon, um, when she, <laughs> what was that? right, like it's iconic. That's what it was because the Met Gala already <laughs> has a theme every year. So <laughs> she's just going to throw like a generic kind of Met Gala. With, like She was throwing a money. She was throwing a cash right. luncheon sponsored by $1,100 Louis Vuitton AirPods. Exactly. But um, when she gave her explanation, I fully got where she was coming from. I don't mm -hmm. live that way myself, but I do know people where it's like, hey, it doesn't matter if I'm right or wrong. If you are my friend and I have a problem with this person, then you also have a problem with this person, but you can pull me aside later. But if we are friends, then we have a united front against this person while they are there because you're not going to leave me out to drive by myself like i've seen a lot of that before it's kind of like well if i'm fighting her then you're fighting her too even if i'm wrong just so i'm not getting my ass kicked by myself and then later you can tell me you were real wrong for that but i'm gonna ride with you because that's my loyalty like i know a lot of people like that i've known a lot of them <laughs> growing up i mean i have been that person in various parts of my life right and i, I see where she's coming from and i get it and also i think that Jen is going through a lot and she has like an absent husband. She has a recently deceased father and then she has like a mother figure who just lost both her legs. And so she is emotionally frazzled and 
What's her name? Heather. Every time I think of Heather's face, I cannot think of what her name is. I want to call her Jen every time I see her. <laughs> because she looks like a she Jen. She looks like she could be a Jen. Right. She looks like a Jen or an Elizabeth. Right. So when, when Heather yeah. was saying that she's seen this look on Jen before and that when Jen goes off, the best thing to do is just, you know, like, not try to confront her on it. Just let her simmer down. I saw a lot of people on the internet saying that, you know, Jen is fake and she's like manufacturing it because she studied the housewives. I was like, well, Heather is the most authentic person on the show. And if she says that this is how Jen acts, then that's how Jen acts. Like, that's just who Jen is as a person. And I fully believe that she's acting this way because she's at the end of her rope. (laughs) Like, she is emotionally stressed out. And I'm interested to see her in future seasons after she has recovered a little bit and like, you know, got some more stability. I'm team Jen all the way, even when she's wrong, like she is bringing the meltdown side of housewives for me. And there are also those people in life. Cause I have had those friends who shout out to Jen, but a lot of those people become like super toxic because they're so draining. It, a lot of it happens a lot of the reason for these kinds of explosive public whatevers, which I've witnessed, are because that person, for whatever reason, does not feel like they are receiving enough attention in their life. So as a result, they kind of suck out all of the oxygen in the room because when they feel something, they need you to understand that they feel it. Mm -hmm. So it becomes, it feels like it becomes performative, which I think it can sometimes like literally be but it's also i don't think it's performative so much as like compensatory it's like i am compensating for this yes 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 but it's not like like it's not like a a, it's not fake it's not forced it was like no this is my genuine reaction to compensate for all the stuff that i'm missing everything about jen says that like her outfits say that her eighty five thousand dollar party say that her meltdowns over nothing say that it was like she is compensating for what she is missing in her life. I would say that there's absolutely a degree of performative. I do not think that she has a sh- the Shaw squad. I do not think that that exists oh, no, that's, in that's the way just that it does outside the show. Yeah. That's like Steady Housewives. Like she's self-producing. Yeah, she's yeah. self-producing herself the way that, you know, Potomac self-produces. You know, she has taken those cues. But I think it's like 10%, I'm, I've studied this TV show, and 90%, I am a little batshit crazy and also my life is falling apart so like she's picked up on the beats of housewives and she's like i'm going to do this show the way that i like to see the show done which is fine to me i'm watching a tv show i didn't watch housewives to see six women being amenable to each other i watched a reality show like that's what i tuned in for (laughs) But we're watching a reality show about women's behavior. So it's like we are the, watching the, the a whole... hyper realized reality right. show like that. And well, that's, that's what she's the... giving us. Right. That's the whole thing with Housewives is that it's like an elevated version, because at the same time that you're watching someone react to situations in real life and the situations themselves are in many ways highly constructed by being on a very specific kind of show that's all about luxury and wealth mm-hmm. or trying to keep up with the Joneses, um, BCC, Erica and Tom whatever it is where you're trying to show how much money you have and how much money you do, if Mm -hmm. that makes any sense, you are also 
ideally in situations where there are genuine actual stakes. And the reason that I love Salt Lake City is because I personally feel like there are real stakes. And so when boundaries are crossed or things are done, I mean, Jen herself says in a confessional, like the reason that I told Heather about um, Meredith's separation, which is incredibly private, is because I she pissed me off. Right. Like mm-hmm. I felt like she wasn't a good enough friend, so I'm going to show her what being a bad friend really looks like. Mm-hmm. Is what it felt like to me, which has high stakes involved. You're looking at Meredith tell Lisa that is a real genuine moment where Lisa again is like, you know, having her lunch of saying a sentence where she's like chewing her vowels and her consonants, <laughs> and God bless her, I like absolutely genuinely die for it. No choice but to stand. Um, but they're having a conversation. Lisa planned Meredith's daughter's bat mitzvah. One of the husbands coached a kid's basketball, soccer, right. basketball, baseball, t-ball, something with a ball. Amen. Like these people have relationships with, with each other and there are actual stakes. So when there is information that, you know, a camera is recording, that adds an additional layer of stress, I think, upon you when you're having this response, because like you want to be vulnerable in the moment. But your vulnerability is attached to the fact that you're like filming a TV show, which can a make you more vulnerable and make your reaction bigger because you know that as you are experiencing this in six or eight months or a year, other people will as well with like an edit possibly thrown in there. And also you're like really feeling these things, you know, it's it I think it makes every decision more nuanced and layered because yeah we're watching a tv show of course but we're watching like a very specific kind of system in place and whenever you put in new parts with new franchises and new women it's going to function in a different way you know and as the franchises become more and more new the function the system is going to continue to change you know these parts are going to get uh going to become almost like they're going to be more nimble they're going to be um, the calculations get tightened, you know, the, this is great. I'm like pretending I'm a scientist. Wow. <laughs> I created the vaccine. Um, but it's, you know, like the engineering of housewives changes as housewives in the franchise gets older. And so watching how women now react to friendships and things, knowing that understandably so, they have seen how this worked in Orange County 15 years ago. They've watched how this worked in Potomac the last three or four. Like, it changes the dynamics in a way that's, I think, actually good, you know? I I think that, you know, watching Old Housewives versus New Housewives, like, it's a completely different show. Like, it's not even Mm -hmm. the same show anymore. No, it's totally different. Completely different show. But I enjoy it now in a different way than I enjoyed it before, just because everybody knows what the game is now. Like everybody has studied it. And like we, the the things that I like about it, people are getting better and better at. So maybe it's less and less authentic, the, the details and the beat and that maybe less and less authentic, but the storylines are still the same. It's like the the friendships and like the connections that the people have are still the same. It's just the way the people themselves produce them are different. So you get like, you know, the confessionals that are a little bit um, not forced, but like uh, pre-thought out more. You get like, you know, mm-hmm. people trying to build a character for themselves a little bit more. But at the end of the day, you still have a woman who betrayed her friend to another friend by exposing like her marriage secrets because she felt slighted. Like that part is not produced. Like that part is still like, 
I feel like you did a bad thing to me, so I'm going to do a bad thing to you. All the extra around it, the outfits and the shot squad and all of that, that stuff is different because we know what we like to see on TV. But the core of this is how I am relating to a person like you did a bad thing to me, so I'm going to do a bad thing to you. That's still the same. And so I just I think that part has still been authentic throughout the, the show. And yet it feels so new and so fresh. And I just have to say, like, can we give all the kadoos to whomever cast this fucking thing? Because I feel like I have not seen a franchise in recent history. I guess the most recent version would be obviously Potomac, where each of these women, but it's different than Potomac, have such unique stories. It's the most diverse cast just from who they are as people. And Mm -hmm. I think, like, I'm going to go back to Jen, because Jen is the one I see that gets the most criticism about, like, you know, being fake or producing herself. It's Mm -hmm. kind of like, Jen had an irrational meltdown over a small thing on TV, on a show that is based on irrational meltdowns. Like, it's in the DNA of the show. She was cast. She was cast because she has a personality that has a propensity to melt down. Like, that's why she's there. It's not like they cast a normal person to be on a show who made up a meltdown. No, they cast a person who was a little bit off kilter and who would be likely to melt down. Like, that's why they cast her. So when people say, like, oh, she made that up, that was like, no, like, the casting did their job. Like, they found a person who would do this on camera. And P.S., some of the greatest seasons of any franchise or the seasons where you're like, this is a show to watch, happened because someone reacted to the structure of a single sentence and that set the path for the following 15 episodes. Camille Grammer hearing oh. Kyle say off camera, <laughs> are you going to, um, oh, you're going over spring break to vacation in Hawaii? Oh, that's great. Oh, um, are you going to have, uh, and the, the cameras are going to follow you? Oh, is Kelsey going to be there? Oh, he's not. And having that be a whole thing for the rest of the season. And set up the dynamic of their friendship that P.S. is still a wink and a a smile to this day. Right. Because Camille lost her mind because she heard, regardless from what you would actually, what we would hear if we were in the room listening, she heard someone say, you are not important enough to shoot alone If your husband isn't there, why is production? And what Kyle heard, thought or thought she said was, oh, you're going on spring break? Okay, great, great, great. Random comment, random comment. Gotta go. Bye. I have six dogs and 17 kids. Like, it's not. (laughs) That's why she was cast. She was cast because she would make a mountain out of a molehill. Like, that's why she was cast. That's why they cast Jen. Like, they they started doing the interviews with her. It was like, oh, she is going to explode. Like, that's what she is there for. I'm like, good. Good casting. Good job. (laughs) What do you think of the casting of Mary? I don't understand it. I do not understand it. I don't. Um, I see that she makes compelling television. Mm -hmm. But to me, she has the darkest backstory of any housewife they've ever put on the show. Like... To put so to, they put a cult leader. They put a cult leader on Bravo, and it's like, did you not do your homework, or did you do your homework and decide to put a cult leader on Bravo? 
because that's what she is. Like, these people think she's God. Like, her followers think she's God. And well, that she is... tells her followers that she's God and they believe her because she's, right. like, holding him in the most vulnerable spot, which exactly. is for someone, it's... someone's faith. Yeah. Right. Like, you have to give us this much money so I can get Louis Vuitton AirPods for my cast. Like, if I was <laughs> one of the cast getting these Louis Vuitton AirPods that I knew were funded by poor people who are on food stamps, like, some of her congregation is on food stamps, and they give them tithe. So it's like, her entire lifestyle is funded by people who can't, who really can't afford to be giving their money to her. And she is funding, like, these lavish lunches and, like, buying these presents and stuff like that. And I'm like, I get it. This is Housewives. We tune in to see the wealth. Um, a lot of wealth does come from a bad place. You know, it comes from, you know, the exploitative nature of capitalism. I get it. Mm -hmm. But this is direct. It's like directly going from the hands of poor people to a grifter and then from that grifter to her friend on the show. It's the, the chain is too short for me to suspend disbelief about where the money comes from. You know, I hate seeing her money and I hate seeing her talk about her couture or like I, I hate seeing it because I know exactly where the money has come from. I grew up in black churches in the south with people who would put their little money in the envelopes they would put 10 percent of their paycheck in this envelope and then go home and figure out if they're going to pay the water bill or the light bill like these are the people that she's taking money from and then spending it in our face oh my gosh it is i don't know why they cast her and i hope she does not make it to season two not because she's she's fun to watch She's bringing conflict. She's bringing the things that a housewife needs to. I'm just so uncomfortable watching her money, knowing where it comes from. I don't think her castmates knew about the money trail because so many of them, even in before this stuff seemed to break out in the way that it did, which was fairly recently, at least in the ways that I saw it become kind of viral, the backstory of her church. Um, it was well after a lot of these women were giving mm -hmm. interviews where they're talking about who has the most money. Oh, Mary Cosby by far, because they're seeing someone exhibit the most wealth in a way that didn't feel as connected to production as like Jen's party stuff, right. you know, where she's flying people in and uh, flying dancers in and, and everything else where Mary seems to live this insane lifestyle, regardless of whether or not housewives is involved. And it's probably always been based in some sort of fraud. Mm -hmm. um, so I don't know that the castmates knew. I really don't think. I don't they think did. they know. I don't think they knew. I don't knew. know that production knew. I honestly, I So why didn't they do with... their homework? Like you are casting a TV show and you didn't do a deep dive on the people. Like that's crazy to me. Y'all were filming the show for over a year and you didn't ask where the money comes from. Like. Well, here's here's the follow up to that, I would say, is Erica and Tom are in the news as of like literally this week with some sort of, you know, like there are um, uh, some like legal records that are that came out like mm -hmm. in the last couple hours or yesterday or whatever, where you're seeing like the actual examples of what the opposing lawyers are saying and some of their evidence of how they're maybe how Tom is maybe siphoning off 
money that Which actually the belongs crash to victims, victims right. that he represented in settlement payments. And then he has so many outstanding loans that he's giving settlement payments to one place to, to delay one loan and another. And mm-hmm. then maybe putting money allegedly, allegedly, allegedly into like Erica's company thing that gets random, mysterious million dollar um, deposits or whatever, blah, blah, blah. But um, I mean, that might not even be shown on next season's Beverly Hills, knowing how Beverly Hills um the the special honor that Beverly Hills gets with where they um, get to hide all their yeah. dirt right yeah unless that dirt is like so salacious to production that they feel like it needs to be um you know surprise uh presented on camera um you know I'm guessing that production saw a guy with a lot of wealth as many of these women do because at the end of the day it's the presentation of it so I don't know that production or the network is in a place to do like a, and this might be my own like naivete where they're in a place to do the kind of background work that would need to be done to find out. I mean, if Mary is representing herself in the ways that she is as someone who has a lot of wealth, I sometimes I think what the cameras are there to capture is maybe not Mary as an example, because I don't think that happens on camera this season, but with somebody else, the cameras are there to capture the moments in which it all becomes a ruse. Like this is again, another callback to many years ago, but curtain cuffs when she was talking and, you know, um, Lynn Curtin and Frank are, are showing their wealth with these houses that turn out to be like super rented and they're not even paying their bills and their kid is served on camera mm-hmm. with eviction notices. Mm-hmm. I mean, that was obviously during the bubble and whatever year it was, I want to say like 2008, but that could be a hundred percent wrong. Um, you know, that's kind of like a part of the game of this is like that life behind the pearly gates often is about the fact that these people can't afford, afford the fucking pearl, you know, I it's do different think- with Mary because it's like, a manipulation of people that feels illegal when it comes to like the fact that she is maybe the um operating you know a cult LCC well you here, know, here's trust here's to me the difference LLC, from between like a Tom or like a Lynn Curtin situation is that like Tom is a lawyer and he may mm-hmm. be doing some shifty things with his money he may be shifting money around he may be like taking money um that easier he's, to hide right like yeah. he may be doing things that are dirty that may come out in the press they may not whatever we all know what a crooked preacher looks like we know joel austin we know all these people like this isn't a secret thing where we have to dig like there is no preacher in america who got that rich without taking the money from poor people none zero like we all know this to be true like if you have that much money you took it from your congregation doesn't mean you stole it like they freely gave it to you but you are preaching this gospel to them that if you give me money then you will prosper in your own life and i have this huge house based on your money like we all know that already so like when you see a preacher like mary walking around in louis vuitton while their congregation shops at tj matt or while their congregation is going to goodwill (laughs) but when you see that like there's only one way that that happens and I think that they cast her knowing that just because, like, the backstory is so crazy. It's like, oh, you got set up with your grandfather so you could inherit this money. <laughs> like, like, 
I think they cast was like, oh, this is bad. You willing to say that on camera? You willing to like be that on the show? Oh, please come on the show. That'll give us huge buzz. Because that's when I decided to watch Salt Lake City. When I saw that, I was like, oh, I have to tune in. Okay, <laughs> like this is crazy. I mean, I have to say, as like a Jew, as the um lovely Jewess, the Hebrew whatever, um, on this pod, I don't necessarily I didn't necessarily know that about I mean I I'd heard of tithing, but Oh, I thought it was common knowledge, my bad. <laughs> no, no, no. And I think that's great. And it might be, it just might be that I myself didn't. I mean, I knew I knew about tithing. I know about the the um I've read stories about uh, the business behind some of these like mega churches, but I haven't directly experienced. Oh, well, it. now I'm and, curious like, about like your your listeners. Like, have your listeners write in? Like, did you know that rich preachers make their money from their poor congregation okay, giving to them? Slide into my DM, or I'll do it as an Instagram poll. I'll do it. As, do you know like the background? Yeah, I'll do it as an right. Instagram poll. Because I'm this curious. I thought that it was just morning, like I'll put it up. I thought everybody just knew that, but maybe that just comes from the South being around a lot of old people. Like they will give their money to preachers on TV. Like they'll give their money to any preacher who says that you know God is telling me that. that you need to give me money because then you will prosper. Like, that has been a thing my entire life growing up. Like, the preacher says, God says, you must give me money, and then you will prosper. (laughs) Yeah, I don't, I mean, at my temple, there's some sort of, I know there's, like, some sort of, like, membership dues, which, P.S., shout out to Temple Bethel. They keep sending them to me for some reason, addressed to my parents. So where they got my New York City address from, someone needs to call up. I need to call them and be like, Shalom, um, I'm a very bad Jew and don't have a temple here. But regardless, <laughs> I'm not opening this envelope because I'm pretty sure there's a bill. Um, Yeah, you have, like, a membership or whatever, and a lot of people, like, pay the membership because, you know, you're a member of a temple or whatever, and, like, maybe you go for Shabbat or whatever, but you 100% are there for the high holy days. Those mm-hmm. are like, it's like the Oscars of Judaism where you're like there to see and be seen and atone and celebrate and whatever else, like mazel tov to all of us. Um, but I don't, I don't think that structure exists in the way that it, it's, I, I, I haven't experienced that in, in my, um, uh, you know, culture um, as, uh, as, um, uh, it seems to be apparent in others. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Look at us. Which exchanging <laughs> culture. <laughs> <laughs> culture. Um Yowza. I don't know that I don't know what's going to happen with Mary. I don't know that how they address this. I don't know. The network seems to be very invested in coaching um problematic housewives in order to either save the housewife or themselves i don't know how they coach mary and how to respond to this because again i feel like the network wants to take one step away from it so that they're not directly involved in like knowing this stuff so i don't know how they tap into that and mary is not like the most communicative person seemingly not in a group setting so where this is going to go, no, I have, I have no, no idea. idea. I don't know how this would end without her just being off the show because she's not going to stop taking money. <laughs> like, that's her livelihood. And she's also not going to admit to it because that would have to admit that she's doing something wrong. So, I don't know. We'll see. We will see what happens with Kooky Mary Cosby, who is just a dark spirit in general. So, 
Like, I'm fine if I'd never see Mary Cosby on my screen again because I think she's just a dark-sided person. Like, outside of the church thing, even if I didn't know about the church thing, when she said, um, like, your, your aunt got her legs cut off because she didn't eat right, it was like, drink water. Like, that, to me, is like, you are just a, you have a bad soul. <laughs> like, I don't need to see genuinely evil people. Like, a little nasty, a little shady. Uh, maybe a little self-absorbed, but that is genuinely nasty, and I can't, like, I don't need her. <laughs> Can I ask a question that is in no way related, but, like, maybe just in my, just out of my own curiosity? Okay. Just, just want to know. What are your thoughts on Kim Richards? Kim Richards? Oh, I don't think she's a nasty person at all. I think she's just a, a damaged person who um, shouldn't have been on TV. Like, I don't think she needed to be on a reality show. She had too many issues to work out. And I think that she definitely wanted to be famous again, especially when you watch like that, those early seasons where she's talking about her in Paris. It's like, oh, I was the it girl once. And all this stuff was like, oh, you want to be the it girl again. Like, you desperately want to recapture this fame. Um, Kyle definitely wants to be famous. So it's like, oh, I can use my sister. Like, I need my sister on the show to give me some conflict. So that also, and then it's just kind of, some people have too many things to work out that don't need to be worked out on TV. So I like him. I enjoy seeing her, but I do feel that she's a little gentle soul that's sort of thrown into a machine where she doesn't need to be there. Taking out some of the legal stuff of it and some of the like nasty stuff, which we may <laughs> disagree on a little bit. <laughs> um, I think that there is a commonality that I've seen people compare them to online, which again is taking out like the cult stuff Mm -hmm. and just saying like, these are two people who seem fragile. And so how that works in a group setting where there's going to be a lot of conflict, watching the ways that they respond to that, especially if the conflict is directed their way is sometimes compelling television and sometimes it's a fucking train wreck where we're not really ready to handle the fallout. One thing about Mary being fragile that um, like, I don't want to stick up for Mary just because I think being a cult leader is a terrible thing, but I do think there is some space in the conversation to talk about the fact that Mary was married to someone else and her very young yep and her current you know her grandfather's current husband you know um basically gave the congregation permission to allow them to divorce and it would be okay it was kind of like oh yeah you need to divorce blah 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 because he wanted to marry her and that power dynamic of where like not only your grandfather but your pastor is sort of speaking that he wants your marriage to break up so that you can marry him and you're so young and you're not in this position like I feel like there is some trauma there that maybe she hasn't even recognized um that she hasn't explored and I do feel like a little bit of sympathy especially for younger Mary who is like okay well I can't say no you know it's like I'm sleeping with my grandfather who wants to break up my marriage and marry me. Like, yeah, I, I can't say no, but, you know, that was 20 years ago, and now she's a grown woman, so I don't know. 
Well, and there's also trauma in the fact that her mom was fighting so hard against this. Right. And according to Mary was doing it because her mom wanted to marry um, uh, the, I guess, her mom's stepfather mm-hmm. because she wanted to receive all of the benefits that came right. with that relationship. She wanted to be first lady of the church. soul of the church. Right. And um, being seen as the... Um, as God. That's why she has our own church now. Access God. Right. I mean, like, for That's real. That's why she has our own church and... where she's God. <laughs> and all of these businesses that maybe exist or maybe were liquidated or wherever, whatever it was, there's a, there were a lot of assets and opportunity and access related to partnering up with this person. Mm-hmm. And so watching your mom and who knows what their actual relationship is like. But watching your or going to war maybe with your mom at that young an age with your mom, maybe as like a little bit of a nemesis now. I mean, that does an awful lot of trauma, especially when you're put into a situation where you're in relationships with these women where conflict is like in many ways the foundation where it's stakes and conflict like that's got to be a difficult path because who do you trust when you can't trust your mother? Right. You know? Right. So Mary, Mary has layers. So maybe that's why she's cast. Maybe some of these layers will be explored, but I really don't think so. I think it's just going to be her going and Jen going at each other all season. And that's it. Like, that's all we will get from Mary. If we and get I more than that, say, that would be great. But Related to the um, cult stuff. I, they might Eric and Tom it where they say, uh, where she says, oh, well, you know, I can't talk about it because it's yada yada. Or she'll say she'll just do the one off and gaslight, which frankly is a talent that most of these women have mm-hmm. just regardless. Um, it's how they're able to get away with some of these situations is to be like, oh, that situation didn't happen. Here's the one that happened. Right. And uh, OK, bye. Um, it's possible that they're going to like try to dust this off and keep it moving. Um and we'll, I mean, look how long, you know, Russell and Taylor got away with their shit. I mean, even before joining Housewives, that was many, many years of grifting. So right. I know it's not the same thing because there is that extra vulnerability when faith comes into play. But um, and that wasn't a cult that was just like old school fraud. But right. um, yeah, we'll see how they handle it. Um, Speaking of handling things. <sighs> what? Potomac. Oh, <laughs> Which is so good. Yay. I, um, it's the best. I just want to say this, and I it's a safe space. I am not upset about this season of Potomac coming to an end because I think it's a great season, but it is so toxic <laughs> with this Monique and Candace <laughs> stuff. And I love these women so much, but I'm like, there's not a lot we, we can't go anywhere. We can, yeah, because yeah, we're just stuck fine. in this point where, like, these women hate Monique. Monique hates Candace, or they're just so angry at each other. Now there's legal stuff involved. There's so much stress over this that it's hard to focus on the other aspects. And, like, the Bravo sphere is very, understandably so, is just like high alert team Candace versus team Monique. I asked people for uh, team Candace satchels because I wanted to unpack that and got some excellent a plus plus satchels, which maybe we'll get to, but um, uh, shout out satchels of gold, but um, it's just really, Ooh, it's tough. 
it's tough. It's great. It's a great. I don't want to. I don't want to. I don't want to. You know, it's great. It's just. It's. It's. It's intense. I'm personally not burned out. Like I have enjoyed the entire season. If it kept going, yes. I would be fine with it. But I also grew up on soap operas where you know a storyline oh. is seven years. So it's. It's fine. Maybe that's what it was. <laughs> I mean, I did watch General Hospital for a couple of years, like two years, maybe. Oh, no, I I grew up um, watching uh, NBC soaps. Like my I still watch Days of Our Lives. I've been watching it my entire life. Yep. We watch Passions in band class. <laughs> you are my passion for life. <laughs> like I watch Days of Our Lives, Another World. Uh, Passions when it was on very quickly. I watched Young and the Restless and Bold and the Beautiful at my babysitter's house. I watched Guiding Light at my grandma's house. Like, I grew up on soaps. I loved soaps. And as they started to die, Real Housewives came up at the same time. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so Housewives became my soap. So I don't care if a storyline goes on forever. I'm like, oh, this is great. I get, you know, like 15 seasons of You Hate Me. Like, that's fine. <laughs> hey, I'm used to this. This is wonderful. <laughs> I think it's because it's, again, like the Bravo community stuff where it's like I see people so heated and it it all makes so much sense. But I honestly find a lot of it like it just is like, ooh, it's just so high stress. People's um, connection to various teams and like seeing all that play out. It's like and I am it's so unfair. I did a poll this week that was like whose side are you on team Monique versus Candace, even though I have said for literal weeks that that is like, you know, it's so difficult and so hard to um, compare these two, but I'm just looking at some of the answers that you guys put on Instagram where I love to do like poll satchels. So whose side um, shout out to uh, uh, um, Salt Lake city, Meredith versus Jen, 84% to Meredith, 16% to Jen, Um, Jen versus Mary, 57% to Jen, 43% to Mary, which is very close. I have to say 57 to 43. And then um, orange County, 60% don't watch. Uh, and then, ooh, Potomac. Do I have Potomac? I don't see it. Um, my Potomac satchel was, um, here we go. Uh, whose side? Monique versus Candace, 80-20. For Monique? Monique. That's crazy to but me. The, <laughs> that's, I think it's, it's... That's because people just dislike Candace so much. Like, that's all that is. Like, <laughs> to me, I don't really have a side. Like, I'm not tribal in that way about these women where it's like oh you know boo her like I don't really care that much it's like these are two rich women (laughs) like fighting on tv like I really don't care that much but if you put your hands on someone you're in the wrong period like done like we're done (laughs) that's it I think that a substantial part, I I know that there are people who are in Team Monique because they're in Team Monique, but there is a substantial representation in Team Monique or Team Monique because they're anti-Team Candace. Right. A hundred percent, which is how that works in PS. In everything. Any kind of, right. In politics, any kind of thing. It's like, like, I dislike the other person, so I'm on your team, even though what you did is wrong. Circling back to Jen talking about friendships. Like, yeah, I know you're wrong, but I'm going to ride with you against this person because I don't like them. Like, like, it's the same kind of, it's the same concept on a macro scale. It's like, I don't like the person that you fought. So that means I am on your side, even though you are in the wrong. So. Mm -hmm. And the hard thing with being on Team Monique is that being on Team Monique 
typically involves an understanding of what Monique has been saying in real time, like the receipts that she's been giving in real time and potentially even stuff that maybe she was telling bloggers in the time directly after the altercation took place where she was trying to like control the narrative, but you didn't necessarily see that playing out on TV. And I think some of Candace's reactions on camera are probably related to reacting to whatever she was dealing with in real time. Like the show is still being filmed, obviously, when the altercation is taking place. It's like a year before we're actually watching that episode. And Candace is being bombarded by people who are hearing about an altercation that nobody has seen, Mm -hmm. um, BCC Ashley, where they're being told that something happened where it was Candace as the aggressor literal aggressor I thought it was too when it came out I thought that Candace started this fight and I went running to my room and was like oh my goodness look what Candace did because Candace is the one who mouths off and is the one that is like the aggressor in every verbal altercation and online altercation Candace is always the aggressor so I thought that Candace smacked Monique (laughs) like that's what I thought and then watching it, I was like, oh, not my queen Monique, because Monique was like, even though she's kooky and a little QAnon and all this other batshit crazy stuff, <laughs> she, was, yeah. she was still like fun to watch on TV. I went mm-hmm. from like 10 to zero on her real quick this season. Like, I don't care if she don't come back next season. Like, I'm one of those. Like, I don't care if she doesn't come back, like between your political views and your personal views and you're trying to like gaslight Candace and... Like, I don't really need her back on my screen. I don't mind if she comes back, but it is not a loss to me if Monique doesn't come back just because of this situation. I also think there's nuance in the idea that, and this is something that I've talked about on like Patreon episodes when I've gotten into the weeds a little bit about the Candace stuff, is um, Candace creates or adds to an environment of toxicity by her not even getting into her stuff on social but just by her behavior on camera she is very provocative and I think literally trying to provoke people are they is she trying to provoke them into a physical response I don't know that but I I know that she is like incredibly aggressive with how she uses her words in a way where she that is like her tool that is that's why she's on the show like candace was on the show to start some shit like that's what she's there for and you can see a clear difference between when somebody answered her shit with some hands to now she doesn't do that anymore like candace has gotten hit you know it's like when you uh talk a lot of shit and you keep getting away with it and like nobody is you know um uh like physically coming at you you keep talking your shit monique came for her and now she is a lot calmer with the other Candace women. Candace is? Yes. I don't see that at Candace all. has been calmer since the fight. Calm, Candace... No, I see somebody. I don't see calm. I see somebody who's dealing with trauma. I don't see a calmer Candace. I see somebody who's dealing with the fact that they were assaulted and is trying to figure out why their friend doesn't call to apologize. I don't see. Oh, I, I see, don't see it Candace the other learning. way. No. Oh, I see I the other way. It. It's like when you have, like, when you're on the playground and you talk a lot of shit and you just keep talking shit, keep talking shit. And then when you finally get smacked. And then you stop talking as much shit. It's like, okay, I don't want to get smacked again. Let me back up and think about what I say before I say it because I don't want to get smacked again. I don't, I think it's, Candace hasn't been in the kind of vi- environment or situation that she was in, like they, when they were in their little like wine house situation, <laughs> whatever the hell it was. Wine, wine barn. barn. <laughs> wine barn. Um, 
versus the reunion where we see Candace saying to Michael, what are you going to do? Hit me. Like, I don't think I don't think Candace has changed in any way. What I think is happening now is Candace is reacting to a new, the to a lot of trauma that she's experienced and trying to figure out how to respond best to it. And, um, you know, essentially realizing that if this person isn't going to apologize for hitting me, I am going to drag their ass to court. Like talk about dragging. Like I am responding to the fact that not only are you not apologetic, but you may in fact be heavily involved in like feeding people information that is not related to the experience that I had that everyone, but Ashley saw on camera. Um, this was related, though, to a point that I was going to make that I've now forgotten, which I'm sure uh, would have made all of it would have been an aha moment for literally everybody on the planet, um, which is that. Oh, got it. Um, uh, I don't think I think that Candace has existed in a place in which she is very aggressive in how she responds to people and how she tries to provoke people. That's just my feeling. However, specific to this season, I have seen Candace try to deescalate in the several episodes preceding the altercation itself. I saw somebody who, when Monique was being passive aggressive to her, walked away from the situation. Like, oh, she did. Regardless of how she felt in the moment, like at the lake house when Monique said something or whatever, I remember from my memory, it feels like eight years ago at this point, Candace said, like, I'm sorry. And then at one point got up and left wherever they were sitting outside or yeah they were like out at the patio she like went back in the house she was like you know what (laughs) right so i think that there is responsibility that candace needs to bear for some situations but the lead up to this in what we're seeing on camera which is of course related to this like mystery gossip yada yada but also not related because we're not able to see it since monique won't talk about it there are moments in which monique is dealing with the fact that she thinks that Candace is escalating things to a crisis point behind the scenes. But what we're seeing on camera, literally seeing on camera, I think is Candace deescalating until they get to a point where I think Candace couldn't take it anymore, where she felt like I was being the bigger person after however long where people are telling me that I'm not doing that and I need to do that more. I did it repeatedly. You didn't give a shit. You were trying to provoke me. So I'm going to provoke you back. Don't yeah. you think? At no, that no, moment, no, no, no. Like, like that's, her, that's her com- reaching a boiling point of like, I'm not going to do this anymore. Like, I, I, I did my best and it got me fucking nowhere with you. So go fuck yourself. I'm going to like do whatever. And then she goddamn touches her hair and then it's off to the races. <laughs> well, <laughs> I think that Candace has a very, you know, it's, it's a very polarizing personality. You either yeah, love her 100%. or you hate her. Um, I love to watch her. I don't like her on social media, but I think that she is a, mm-hmm. a fabulous housewife. I'm, I was team Candace as soon as she showed up. And I think that everybody knows how she operates. And everybody else takes that into account. It's like, you know, Candace is this little dog that barks all the time. It is what it is. Like, that's why she's here. That's why she's on the show. And Monique just can't deal with it like I don't understand Monique's reaction to stuff but I also don't understand Monique as a human being so I I don't understand who she is anymore because the picture that I had of Monique you know the former rapper with the football wife and you know all the money and like the very that is not the person that I've seen the past couple years on the internet spouting conspiracy theories and I don't know who she is so I don't know how to frame her reactions anymore. Like, I don't know 
who this person is. Yeah, and I think, as you said, and I got some satchels about this, it is possible to separate the two. It is possible to say that Candace is great casting, you know, we um, empathize with her and also say that some of her behavior, which I have been <laughs> a, a witness of, is unbelievably vile and toxic, where we can say, in one hand, the ways in which people are talking about the stuff that Kelly has said on social is very, very dangerous. So is stuff that Candace has said. And it's entirely appropriate to be able to empathize with Candace's journey and also say that for people with mental health disorders, as I have and as many people have and people with eating disorders or whatever else, what Candace is doing is dangerous and harmful and there is no excuse because if you are a member of the Bravo community watching this on social you can feel directly that can actually impact the safety of your life like I'm not joking I've spoken about this with my I have spoken you my psychiatrist and my therapist have never watched Housewives except for one episode a year and a half ago when my therapist watched a Halloween New York episode but they know who Candace is (laughs) but they know exactly who Candace is because I can tell you if you're like no but it doesn't I can tell you in my personal life my mental health was triggered by stuff that she said directly to me on social media and has said about other people and that needs to be (laughs) there people just need to understand that it's entirely absolutely within your right to empathize with this person and also understand that there is no excuse for triggering um, making fun of and uh, abusing someone's mental health online. There's just like no excuse for it. And that's where we run into trouble here because. But I think that's is... separate from this fight with Monique. It's like. I think it's totally right, separate. Like I have a problem when people combine it. Right. Where they're saying, oh, this is just a, this is connected to the other stuff. I'm like, no, no, no. You have to separate this entirely because that makes it very difficult for people like myself who like deal with this shit to have these kinds of conversations. I have to block that out because otherwise it would be absolutely impossible for me to understand and empathize with Candace's journey. So I have her online persona and frankly, her IRL persona in a very, very, to borrow from Monique's favorite phrase, different box. Like that is in a box on my shelf in my soul where I'm like, we just need to separate this. It is so easy to do this. You can have complicated, toxic people who are not also in Kelly's um, in Kelly's position, racist spreading misinformation. You can still have toxic, great housewives who also don't behave this way online. And the majority of them, P.S. don't. So when we're talking about these people who are behaving in a way that's like very dangerous, we need to understand that we're nobody is saying that you need to behave in a certain way or in a way that's like more appropriate or whatever else. What we're saying is when you are actually a danger to public safety in some way or some sort of community that, you know, can be triggered by what you're saying, that is super problematic. And also, I think, blessedly rare. I think that there are only a couple housewives that have crossed that line on social. And you just have to disconnect from it as best you can, unless we're in the middle of a global pandemic and that person is, like, talking about the fact that this isn't real, it's a game of Monopoly, and that's also their storyline on a show, you know? But I think, like, I agree that you can separate the online persona from the person that they are on television. And if that helps you watch the show, that's fine. But to me, like for me, I don't need to do that. And like, Mm -hmm. they make sense to me. Like 
Kelly online is the same person that Kelly is on the show. Like that personality that she is online is the same abusive personality that she's been for years on the show. So that makes sense. Candace being a vile person online running off at the mouth or at the fingers fits in with the person that she's been on screen running off at the mouth and, you know, trying to provoke people and start fights like that fits in together. Monique, I 100% agree. Monique online does not match Monique on the show. Like, I don't understand who this person is. I don't understand the QAnon conspiracy theorists online yeah. versus yeah. the football wife, very classy, mature person that she has been on the show. Like, I don't, that doesn't make sense to me. So when I say that I don't understand who Monique is because she's on the show, it's not because I can't separate online from the show. It's because who you are online is who you are on the show. And I don't understand who Monique is anymore over the past couple of years. I don't know that Monique knows who she wants to be. That might be true, too. <laughs> that might be true, too. There are a lot of different Moniques running out there at this point. Um, I miss, you know, Monique's first season. Monique, first season Monique is the Monique that I want on the show. I don't like this season, Monique. And she's so forced with her interactions, like the... The, the fake smiles, like when people come around and, you know, the, the little side comments like, oh, you look great. Or like, like just paying attention to everything except the conversation. It's so forced to me. I'm like, let's just address what's in front of us instead of all of this extra. I just, I don't enjoy watching Monique anymore. <laughs> like I used to love watching Monique this season. It's just, I don't know who you are. I want you to find yourself. I feel like her husband <laughs> is a little bit exhausted. It's like, I don't know who you are right now either. Can we circle back and be the couple that we were a few years ago? That would be great for me, but she is not interested in that kind of self-reflection. And like, where do we go from here? We'll see at the reunion, I guess. I don't know. <laughs> well, we saw the sneak peek of the finale moment because Bravo released a little two-minute clip of, you know, I'm guessing post-Mazel Tub engagement with Robin mm-hmm. and Juan, how better to celebrate it than watch two men attempt to brawl at each other. Um, where Michael, shockingly, who would have guessed it, looks like a piece of shit and at one point is gleefully saying first off misrepresents how and we'll get into it i guess after we watch the finale but chris completely misrepresents to ashley in the moment what chris physically did to him right it sounds like he is saying this man hit me because he literally is saying it out loud when i saw somebody reacting to someone else invading their Their space space, like get out of my space like move back and that right and them not uh uh, agreeing to that request. Right. So you were physically pushing somebody away, which P.S. was probably more for Michael's protection than yeah, anything because else. Because Chris, Chris will like, wear him out. Get the fuck, right. <laughs> get the fuck away from me. And Michael's reaction is just so fascinating to me. A man who obviously is making fun of the situation that the Bassets are in by saying, I'll sue you, I'll sue you. But also all of a sudden seems to be very involved and very clear on when touching is inappropriate, when you don't have somebody else's consent. So interesting how that works out. What a full circle moment for him. In Michael's defense, it was a very vulnerable moment for him because he is at an engagement party watching the love of his life profess his love for his ex-wife. So of course he's a little stressed out to see Juan getting married. Uh... So, So he has a lot 
lot of tension in this moment. <laughs> but Lord, yeah, now he suddenly understands like consent and touching and being in someone's space. And is it just me? Or when he was saying you're going to jail, wasn't he pointing at Candace? Watch that clip again. It does not feel pointed at Chris to me. Like, he looks like he is screaming at Candace that she's going to jail. Well, <laughs> and he, I, I have the beholder. He needs to get his eyes checked because I thought he was yelling at, well, maybe that was the moment before he's yelling at Chris and then Monique is like, uh, and sorry, and then Candace is like, who do you think you're yelling at? Right, right. And then he's like, like watch it again like i'm just like wow you are very good at inserting yourself into women's business and like harken back to peter it's like why are you always in women's business like there is no reason for you to be part of this argument at all especially like arguing with someone's wife like go home get out like And then escalating it immediately by putting by talking about a situation that literally didn't happen where Chris hit you and then telling your wife that that happened, knowing that she will react to protect you in ways that P.S. you haven't really done with her because him coming to up to Chris Bassett, I don't know that that. I don't know how much that had to do with whatever was going on between the women before, but I do think it's like these are women who are in control of themselves. So I don't know why that was necessary except to potentially provoke Chris Bassett. But again, I guess we'll see the details next week and I could be totally wrong. But Ashley then doubling down because things are already very hot. She's already in a really, really difficult spot with Candace, Mm -hmm. with the character statement, whatever the fuck else being like this is what I'm talking about is leading to a moment that looks actually wild like who is Juan holding back is he holding he's holding back back um, Michael Michael or Chris Michael yeah that was Michael was not in his right mind right in a way that was like really not great for him I don't know why Michael keeps coming back to the show if I was Michael I would never want to be on television again in my life but he keeps coming back because he likes the attention. He likes the spotlight at the expense of his character and showing the entire world that he is an awful person in many, many ways. So he has, one, created a situation that he didn't need to create by going up to Chris. He has lied about a situation and exaggerated what happened. And then he is going to escalate the situation once they're apart. It's like, oh, now you're away from this man and you won't get hit. So now you're ready to fight. <laughs> like, it's very that. And yeah, I just, if I had any respect for him, I would have less now, but I don't have any, so I can't have less. I just think that he is a despicable human being in all ways. And making me support Candace even more. <laughs> it's like, I don't need any more reasons to support a terrible person. But y'all keep manufacturing these situations around her where I have to defend her, and I don't really feel like it. But she's not in the wrong. She didn't do anything. <laughs> like, uh. I mean, I think she did a lot. <laughs> I think that she is, I think that she's, I think that she absolutely bears responsibility for a lot of this and her reaction because understandably so she's traumatized by what physically happened has absolved her of taking any responsibility for the state of affairs with her friendship with Monique, which does not, nobody ever deserves to be touched or harmed without their consent. But there is a pattern to Candace's behavior, which we all 
understand and witness. It crosses boundaries for certain people with their like mental health or whatever, blah, blah, blah. But she has crossed boundaries in the way that she's behaved with these women directly. Like she harmed Ashley by calling her a roach and saying whatever else she said online, which like genuinely upset Ashley. And I don't know that, I mean, in that situation, I think she did take some responsibility, but overall repeats poor behavior as her defense mechanism and then attributes that defense mechanism to a genuinely emotionally abusive childhood. But you're now an adult. Like you get to choose to behave in the ways that you are. But the idea that you're gaslighting us because of this other terrible stuff that happened to you that may or may not be connected to that, it's tough. Like well, she's, we'll see if she gets her redemption like part in, the way that Ashley has. Reunion. Because Ashley was also yeah. vile and she had a baby and has now redeemed herself and has become like the favorite of the franchise. And even though she's still, you know, a little bit shady and shifty in the background, but she's open about being shady and shifty, so whatever. But um, I mean, I think she's a great producer. Yeah. So maybe that calling up Karen. Also... Are you kidding me? Let's just call her right now. <laughs> like... What did she say? Like, Mama wants some tuna tartare or whatever. She, whatever. It was amazing. Right. Her ordering her food and her calling. Like, you can Karen just call it out. Like she is. She is very much a candy type figure on that show because. Like, uh, in that way, in the way that it's like, if we have a conflict, if we need to air something out, let's just do it now on camera while the cameras are here so we can get it out as opposed to waiting to the reunion. Because a lot of people in that situation would just wait to the reunion and be like, did you say that? Did you invite her or not? And it was like, no, let's just do it now. Let's get it on TV. Like, let's do it. Ashley's strategic to me. Candace is reactive. And I think there's a very big difference. And no, no, no. No, like, like Candy in Atlanta. Candy does that, not Candace. Oh, Candy. Candy. I yeah, you yeah. Candy no, 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 no. Some people call Candace C A N D E E. I was oh, like, no, 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 hey, we're no. going to have a little talk right now. We're gonna have... Did you see how my eyes just like went? <laughs> right. I was like, why are you like, confused? Candy. Because Candy absolutely I does that. Like, like, if you tell Candy something, if you tell Candy Burris from Atlanta something. Thank you. Then she, right, she will put it on the show because she's like, there are no secrets here. The camera was there. The camera will catch it and it will show up at the reunion anyway. So I might as well just like get this out now so we can keep it moving. And that's what Ashley does. It's like the camera is there. It's not like you can keep it a secret. I might as well go ahead and get it now as opposed to waiting to air this out at the reunion. So that call was very much like that. I was like, no, let's just produce this. Like, let's go. Let's keep it moving. And I'm looking at some of the satchels that I got from Team Candace. I feel like we got into this, but just to say a satchel from Team Candace from Laura in England, who says, here's my satchel. I'm Team Candace regarding this incident with Monique, purely because there needs to be a bottom line of no physical violence in society. Um, however, I don't support Candace's views, vitriol on social media or behavior leading up to the assault. I do think you can separate the two things. We're all learning from Monique how to put stuff in boxes. So, um, on that point, I agree. And another team, Candace Satchel from Brenda in Toronto, who says, Hi, Sarah, I'm on Candace's side in this specific situation solely because Monique's actions leading up solely because of Monique's actions leading up to the altercation. Candace did her best to de-escalate and walk away each time Monique tried to argue with her. Example at the Lake House and even during the night at the winery. The whole argument was started because of Monique. If you recall, Candace was toasting everyone saying she was happy and loves them all. Monique has this tendency to make passive aggressive comments and doesn't seem to um, doesn't seem to know where to place a lot of her pent up frustration. If she felt a way about the rumors, why didn't she talk behind the scenes with Candace since she didn't want to bring up the rumors on camera? 
She didn't give Candace a chance to explain her involvement. She chose to remain cordial with Giselle. In fact, it seems to me she would love it if Giselle was her friend. I don't understand how Monique's husband kept saying he likes Candace even after knowing the alleged rumors and um, the fight. And then some other uh, comments about um, wrapping things up in a palatable box. The altercation wouldn't have happened if she had just talked to Candace. Well, Monique um, wasn't yeah, the was... one with the passive-aggressive comment at the winery. Candace is the one that I think said the comment that led to the like verbal altercation escalating because when Candace was giving her a little toast and saying she loved everyone and she said that Monique was asleep and didn't say goodbye to her when she left her house. And that's when Monique got set off. And that started, like, the real verbal altercation. Because, yes, Candy was giving a toast, and then she slid in there, like, even to you, even though you were asleep and didn't get to say goodbye to me. That was the slick, like, side comment that got Monique hot. Monique wasn't being passive-aggressive, in my view. It was like, that comment got Monique there, and then they were going back and forth, because Candace was like, I'm not walking away from this this time. And then that's where they kept going. I wonder how things would have changed if Monique had decided to uh, discuss some of this on camera, some of the rumor stuff on camera. Um, uh, apparently, it's a huge part of the reunion, which is why there are four parts. She brought this like there's a four full. part reunion. They're saying that it's going to be four parts. I don't. We haven't gotten like confirmation, but Andy's like it could be four parts and so good, which I'm hoping means like four amazing parts and not three parts. Hasn't there only been four one episodes? four part reunion? Wasn't Atlanta the yeah, only and, four part reunion? Candy. Who said that? When Phaedra was like, oh, um, right. Uh, right. maybe I did. My bad. Um, <laughs> speaking of frauds, um, I, I wonder how things would have changed. I wonder how this season would have changed if Monique had said, you, I heard that you were talking shit or were present for a conversation in which people were talking about these crazy rumors brought to them by a former friend who I don't even know this person, but um, I wonder how that would have changed if she had just tackled it on camera because mm -hmm. the pent up anger and frustration and hurt started well before, you know, like the cameras were up, you know? Yep. Cause how much of this is just a reaction to that? So much of it. Well, that's what happens when you go on a reality show and don't want to talk about your reality. You end up hitting someone <laughs> and then spending the rest There's of the, the season fable. defending it. <laughs> So just air it out, and then you don't have to hit any hit anybody at a winery. It's interesting. The people who are on Team Monique and Team Candace, everyone I feel like is making really valid points. Honestly, I can like I, that's why I'm so happy that we had this conversation today because I've been thinking a lot about Team Candace and like, you know, putting stuff into boxes. And there's a whole lot there. I just still look at the idea that like she is talk toxic which is not even related to like the social stuff i just think that she's like inherently toxic and incapable of taking responsibility and still mm -hmm. living in the pain of whatever damage her mother has done by trying to put that on other people like she's trying to like harm people in the ways that her mom harmed her by deciding to like gaslight someone with words of like this is the kind of person you are regardless of how other people may have seen you behave and yet there's shit to empathize with there you know because people have layers and we don't lionize yeah. or villainize. <laughs> that is. 
we are the lions of this episode. And all I have to say is roar. Um, Rafi D'Angelo, I could talk to you forever. Um, tell you didn't even say anything about the Dallas trailer. It happened. <laughs> You're not going to watch it. it? I watched it live and unpacked it on a Patreon episode that if you go to patreon.com slash Andy's girls, I watched it live, which is like PS my favorite thing to do. <laughs> I don't know why I like literally waited a couple hours so that I could uh, record while watching. Um, cool. I don't know. I, can I even give them a certificate for attendance? I'm super excited about the new housewife, the doctor. The I, think, I think the season looks fun. And no, I'm you don't. Excited. You're a piece of shit. I gonna... do. I am. No, you don't. Listen, I grew up in the deep south. You know, country club, golfing, horseback riding, all that kind of stuff. I feel like I know every single one of these women except Cam. I don't even know what planet she's from, but I feel like I know every single one of these women, and I like watching them. Like it feels like a little piece I of am home. Harms. <laughs> I like. Do you like Carrie with a K? If you like Carrie with a K right now, I am. I don't. This I mean. I'm putting it in a box. She's fine. Like she doesn't, she does. I don't hate her or love her. She's just kind of there. I miss Carrie with a C. That was my favorite. I mean, <laughs> like, like she was my favorite. <laughs> but And Carrie with a C keeps posting all this stuff on social of her, like interacting with current Dallas housewives. So I keep thinking, oh, she's filming with them. But allegedly she like legit didn't film. With, I don't understand what's happening with Carrie with a C and her relationship with the show. I don't know why she's not back. Because she I doesn't, don't, I don't, I don't think she wants to be back but these are also oh her i friends. think she wants to be back oh you think she wants to be back oh i don't think she wants to be back i think that she you don't uh -uh, i think she and her husband have her fill they got tired of being you know talked about on social media they're like you know what we don't really need this and they don't need it i think they did it because they you know are people who like the spotlight but then once they got the spotlight it's like oh this isn't that fun for us <laughs> so i think they're just living doing their things, having photo shoots with 20-year-olds. <laughs> did you see that for her website? This is like nude with I some 20-year-olds. <laughs> I love when they do the video where it's like Mark's Kitchen or whatever, where it's just like a little video series of them using their like bajillion dollar stovetop or whatever it is. Exactly. It's like the, some huge, amazing oven that's like very pretty, but I don't, I just turn on, just look for fire is all I'm looking for is when I turn on an oven. I'm just looking for that heat, which I see none of in the trailer for Dallas. So I'm so appreciative that you listen. If it's not like, if it's okay, I would consider that a great success. I think the cast as it is now is a fucking mess. Um, and I think this season, watching them react to COVID when we're still, when we're doing worse now than we were then uh, is uh, like uh, a nightmare. Well, I, I'm watching another show. Wednesday at seven. I'm watching another show set in Texas during COVID, another reality show. And I was wondering, I was like, oh, am I going to be able to watch this show? Because they don't care about COVID there. Um, the show is called Dallas Cowboys Cheerleaders Making the Team. <laughs> and I was wondering how they were going to do auditions during COVID and if I would be able to watch. So I am familiar with Texas and COVID. <laughs> okay, so an AG, shout out to who you are. I'm so sorry, I forget your name. Reached out to me and was like, um, I listed a whole bunch on social of like my favorite TV show because I'm TV is 100% my love language. So like here are the shows that I've watched that I loved. Here they are broken down by category, and here are some shows to avoid. Um, shout out Twelve Dates of Christmas, which I will watch in full. Which is I was up till four o'clock this morning watching Twelve Dates of Christmas. It is a fucking mess. The purpose of the show, spoiler alert, not really a spoiler, is the winner gets to go to the lead contestant's home for Christmas. That's oh. It. 
Literally, that's it. Okay. And they have rose ceremonies, except instead of roses, like bachelor style, they hand out empty um, boxes, the wrap boxes, and they say Merry Christmas is the way to know that you've gone to the That's The stakes are like below the floor. This could be, in fact, an ep- a season of Dallas is like, who's going to go to somebody's grandma's house for Thanksgiving? That's the entirety. This is Yay. Like a joyful love story. Can't get enough. Um, But dallas cowboys cheerleaders someone slid into my dms and said that that's one of the reasons that they like brandy yeah is because he's a cheerleader right and i remembered that in my youth which again as we've discussed was about 30 minutes ago i remember watching that show i didn't know it was still on tv i remember watching it and loving it because yeah. i thought it was really intense it felt like the stakes were super high yep. it was a world that i as a you know um uh new england lass didn't understand in any way like genuinely was young when i remember watching it again 25 seconds ago mm-hmm. uh but i remember really really liking it so has it been on tv the entire yes. for like 15 I years i have been watching so- this show for like like 14 it's either 14 or 15 seasons because the first season was on mtv and my uh boarding school roommate and i at the time we learned so many dances from that season like we would learn it with them and i still i still do them sometimes but we watched it and then it switched to cmt country music television and it's been on there i think where i saw it it's been on there since and because it's been on so long sometimes you'll see people who auditioned like 10 years ago and didn't make it and then they come back it's really compelling in a weird way like they had a lady on last season who had auditioned like 10 or 12 years ago she didn't make it and then she uh like got her degree she got married she had a couple kids and then she decided to re-audition again as like a mother like in her 40s love her because she was like you know i never really finished out this dream let me just give it a shot and they loved her they remembered her they were like, oh, we remember you, oh your God. smile and your energy. Da, da, da. Her dancing wasn't up to snuff anymore, but she felt fulfilled that she actually went out and tried it. I was like, that's really good tough TV. Like, <laughs> it's... So I love it. I watch it every season. It's like my guilty pleasure show. Was Brandy ever on it? or is No, it she was before it. Okay. She was before okay, the show started. So she was never on it. I don't think they've had any famous people come out of it like maybe abigail klein some people know her from a movie or so but she's really the only one the rest of them are just cheerleaders well i I have to say if we're gonna um end the episode with tv um uh recommendations and i will 100 percent watch some of dallas oh and how were they responding to covid by the way so they usually do this big cattle call where like all the women come down to the Mm -hmm. texas stadium and then they do their auditions they had them send in videos and all of the judges are watching the videos from their home. Oh. And okay. so then when they, I haven't seen the next episode after that, but I assume when they whittle it down to like a smaller group, they'll have them all mm-hmm. quarantined together. Like that's what I'm thinking they will do. So. Okay. Which is what they're doing on like The Bachelor and some other stuff too. Right. Where mm-hmm. it's like they're That's what they did for like, like Great British Bake Off. Like we'll just get everybody and oh, we'll quarantine. Sorry. And like, so I think that's the way they have to do these shows right now. Well, if you need to have a new show that, much like The Undoing, where it's only six episodes, you can get it done. I know you can, even though everyone is facing, like, so much additional stress on their lives right now. So just literally forget what I said 30 seconds ago. Me, an unmarried, non-spousal, 
no kids except for the son I accidentally <laughs> said some inappropriate fish things about. Sorry to my beloved snack. Um, uh, Murder on Middle Beach, which is an HBO docuseries about Ooh. a very attractive, not that it matters, but it 100% does, um, man, I don't know how old he is, um, maybe like late 20s, I'd say, who is a documentarian who's trying to solve his mother's murder. And it is so wild and so interesting. I think it's so well done. Very emotional. It's a documentary? He's obviously... Yeah, okay, he said and it's like a straight up docuseries like it doesn't feel in any way exploitative. He's truly like speaking through the language of filmmaking, which he has loved his entire life to try to move on from like potentially solve, but not really like solve, but also be able to like live a life after this thing that happened that has been I think a part of him ever since and watching his interactions with family members and his like maybe secret recordings with the police or like whatever else it is really really interesting it's I think four parts and the finale which is part four is this Sunday guys I highly highly recommend it if you're looking for something just really really fascinating to watch I think it's really really well done HBO does great like every HBO documentary is great McMillions was fabulous that was like my favorite so good um The Vow I finished that in like two days Mm -hmm. that was not as good as what I've been. No, no, it's a lot. <laughs> yeah, it's a lot. It and wasn't a, as good a, as like some long... of the podcasts that I've heard, but it was great to right. see the faces of people and like, mm-hmm. oh, okay, this is some mess. So that was good. And then there's another HBO documentary I just watched. Uh, whatever, just watch every. I'll HBO be gone documentary. in the. I'll be gone in the dark. Also, shout out to um, I'll be gone in the dark, which is about a crime novelist who was trying to solve um the mystery of the golden state killer who was a serial rapist and murderer who stalked people um is excellent michelle mcnamara telling the story of herself as a journalist and crime writer and someone who even the police said was very very skilled at trying to figure out the truth and watching uh understanding her process writing the book that the documentary is set on although i would have to say for that a genuine trigger warning that for anybody who is a survivor of any um sexual uh assault or trauma or um anything having to do with violence it is very very detailed so i i had to watch that in very very small doses because i was like "Ooh, this is bringing me up to the brink of me not feeling great and it's so it's one of those things but it's very 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 well done and very sensitive um, Rodney D'Angelo, on that note, talking about murder, uh, you killed me this episode. So there we are with that. Oh, oh my no. God. Team Candace, I hope you felt heard because I really wanted to unpack that perspective and, um, you know, get into it about all things, uh, all things candy double E. So, um, I'm so appreciative for your thoughts and I'm really honestly bothered and bewildered by your love of Dallas based on that trailer. And I think you're, you're going to have to come back as soon as that. I didn't say love it. I said, I very much no, enjoy said... it. and I'm looking forward to it. Like it's a, I, I enjoy it. I think they're fun. They're yeah, funny. <laughs> interesting. 
interesting guys if you um rewind on that which is a thing that you can do i believe that you said literally this is the best trailer i've ever seen in my entire life wow and dallas is my favorite and um extra ketchup for everybody including mama d and um rafi that really uh hurt my feelings a little bit and i just want to let you know that um i'm judging you for that wow look uh, at these lies the i feel like i'm filming a housewife show i'm just being lied to in front of my face this is how it happens. Um, so can you tell the listeners how to listen to you, follow your writings and all that good stuff online, especially on your blog? Um, so let's talk about.com is the web address and it has all of my social links. I'm Rafi D'Angelo everywhere on the internet. Amazing. And guys, I'm going to do an extra special Patreon episode uh, this weekend. So that'll be up this weekend with a bunch of bonus satchels from this week. I got so many wild and amazing satchels. So please, as always, slide into my DMs with your thoughts and feels. And um, on Instagram at Dame Galley, patreon.com, the num slash Andy Scrolls, the number one place, uh, best way to support the pod and yours truly and my burgeoning debt. And also just want to say, like, as I think we referenced during the episode, that my favorite thing is when I have a guest co-host who comes on who has a different perspective than I do, because what makes me get gets me really like hot and bothered and really, really excited is understanding like that journey and that idea, which is different than my own, which is my favorite thing. And so I have loved getting so many satchels from people who are a super team candy or super team Monique, because I find that really exciting. And I just have to say like, shout out to all of the AGs that are listening, because what I appreciate most of all is like, regardless of whatever blather I'm saying on an episode of Andy's girls of which every word is God. Hello. I should be a pastor myself. Um, is that we're able to appreciate each other, even if we disagree and, uh, this is a community and I absolutely, you're looking at me, you're giving me eyes, but this is a community and I am so thankful that in this time of holiday blessings <laughs> that, um, we have each other and we allow each other the space to disagree with each other, uh, without, you know, throwing the kind of mud that could happen without throwing um, a wine glass. Without throwing a wine glass, let's save that to um, the ladies that we love to watch on screen. And so I just want to say thank you to all of you who come to these episodes with an open mind, regardless of whether or not you were degree, oh, degree, amazing, whether you, <laughs> one of Wendy's four, whether you agree or disagree, the fact that you are open to having these kinds of conversations, I think is genuinely outstanding and you should feel, um, I think, really proud of yourselves as I feel of you without sounding maternalistic. Uh, no. Is maternalistic? Did I just combine maternal and materialistic? No, maternalistic. No, is, maternalistic is, is a word. word. Right. Maternalistic Thank is you. A word. Okay, great. I was an English tutor, so it's always good when I'm questioning my own words and thoughts and feels. Listen, this has been a 900 hour of Andy's Girls, and I have appreciated every second. Let us know your thoughts. I'm going to put some Instagram polls up when this goes out. Um, and uh, guys happy whatever day of the week it is when you're listening to this take a little time to enjoy the view of none other than your computer or tv screen and we can't wait to talk to you again soon bye guys <laughs> <laughs>